Welcome to At The Root. I am Stacey Heller. Greg Kuiper, how are you? I am well this week. Doing very well. Good. If you have a question and you want to connect with Greg, then feel free to call in. The number is 425-373-5527. And remember that Greg is a practicing psychotherapist and holistic life coach who has learned through professional practice and personal experience that without connection to self, real connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. It is. I learn it's like it's become almost like a mantra of sorts where now every week when I say that, I'm like, right, right, okay. You start to like, you know. Well, that's the old awareness piece, right? The more we can become aware of it and, and, and have it in the forefront of our thinking or in our mind, the easier it is to accomplish. Absolutely. It, it becomes like I listen sometimes uh, at bed to a guided meditation. Sure. So it, there you go. You know, it, it works. Same so thing. let's do what we normally do, which is recap. So last week we were talking about attunement, what it is, um, the reciprocal exchange of, I think you refer to it as sensitivities. And awareness. Yeah. And, aw- and awareness. Right. Um, and that that really part of the exchange is being able to express what you need, what you want, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and not just at the beginning of your relationship, but ongoing because your needs right. and your wants are going to change. And so as you grow and you change, you need to have that discourse and exchange throughout the relationship, and there can't be any judgment. Yeah, that's the key is the judging part, the critical judgment part. We need to be able to express our desires and needs to our partners or to people we're in close relationships with, right, without any fear, total vulnerability. Right. Well, and the validation piece that you talk about, you know, I I think on my own relationship and, you know, who I am now versus when I first met my husband and we were dating and we even started our family it's changed. You know, I'm now, I'm a working woman now. <laughs> and so at my core, who I am and what my values are haven't changed. But by all outward appearances, there are some things that have changed. And so that is something that I need to do now. I desire doing that and making sure that there's not a judgment about, you know, well, are you still going to be able to do these other things? Right. And in fact, quite the opposite, that, that there's validation. That seems really important. Um, and then... You know, we also talked about this idea of having a balance or counterbalance with our partners and how that is something that is important, being tuned in with them. Right. Being, being, able, to re, being able to share your needs and desires, have them responded to sensitively and validating and without judgment. And that very response in that manner uh, uh, facilitates. I'm losing the word there, but but mm-hmm. but but um, support, right? Yeah. It brings on support to the other person, and when the other person feels supported, they feel tuned into, mm-hmm. and then they can respond back in a similar manner, and we have response and support, response and support, attunement. Right, right. I mean, we say these words. I mean, you say them in as part of your your therapeutic vernacular all the time. Right. I'm now saying them because I'm like, 
were attuned. Um, <laughs> however, you know, you talk about how, and I am, I'm living proof that over the course of a relationship, you can lose track of that. You know, there's all these distractions. And so then you talked last week and I think a little bit the week before about this critical loop that we get into. Right. And, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you know, I do this, you do that. Then it's like this um, attack, defend, attack, defend. Yeah. Yeah. One partner tries to share their desires or needs. Right. And and the other partner uh, criticizes or gets defensive or has some kind of a judgment, and this, then that escalates to anger and then withdrawal. I mean, the, the person originally submitting their needs and desires, if you will, uh, withdraws. I've, I've had enough. No one's listening to me. And that leads to kind of a depression, right, in this person. And mm-hmm. that can lead to more conflict. What's wrong with you? You know, why are you always down, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then that conflict leads to more criticism, and that criticism leads to more withdrawal, and it's just an endless cycle. And many people find themselves in this critical loop. It's, it's brutal. Now, question. Uh-huh. Um, do you find that uh, one person is, you know, maybe they're growing and they're more in connection with what their desires or their needs are? And they're trying to express that. And the other person in the relationship, have their needs and desires not changed? Or or is it that they're not paying attention to even their own, let alone being able to pay attention to others? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and you're right. I think in many instances, especially in these anxious, avoidant attachment relationships where we find this critical loop so often that the avoidant uh, attached um, partner uh, doesn't express their needs and desires because emotionally they don't even really know what they are and they are, um, I guess, frightened to find out because they've never been there, right? It's it's an right. anxious place to go to. So it's easy to lash back out at the other person, right? What's interesting is that when you first started dating and you first started you know, getting to know each other, that you did have that you were willing to be vulnerable. Like, presumably, that's why you continued on to a more serious relationship. You had created this um, kind of secure base of a relationship. You know, you felt emotionally balanced and, mm-hmm. you know, you had that. And now it's like you forget that that's an ongoing journey. Yeah, it, it just disappears kind of over time because of all kinds of other commitments and, and pulls on you. And um, you can end up years later wondering what happened to the attunement. Or, and then sometimes it's like, were we ever really attuned? Right. I don't know. I can't remember. And, uh, and then the critical loop gets involved. And, and So how do we get out of the loop? Well, um, <laughs> Stop the train. I want to get off. <laughs> <laughs> we dig out of this loop by... By realizing together, right, in this relationship, that what we perceive uh, the loop is about is only on the surface, right? I mean, we're we're talking about uh, you never listen to me and blah blah blah. You know, a lot of and it can be surface level stuff. We what we're actually doing is triggering much more deeper emotional issues with the other person, okay. and and these are 
most of the time subconscious, right? And so we don't know what they are, but we're triggering it in that person, and that person gets triggered and and then responds this way, and then that triggers the other partner's emotional um, uh, subconscious need. And, you know, it, it, it just keeps going. Let's, let's join Charlotte and Steve, if you remember Charlotte and Steve. <sighs> yes. When last we left them, <laughs> I believe that they were meeting with you, and Charlotte naturally was like, oh, my gosh, Steve is, like, such a bozo, and... <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, right. kind of like throwing him under the bus. And he was like, you know, basically kind of had that a def- like attack defend mode, right? right. So he seemed to be on the offensive with you as right. a defensive maneuver for how he's feeling. Oh, that's perfect. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that may be uh, how I fight personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting to see that level of uh, conflict on the first session. I mean, I always want to see that at some point so I can check out that dynamic, right? right. And so I let it go. But uh, generally, it doesn't get that uh, elevated on the first session or I I don't let it get there. But this time I did because I wanted to see their interactions. And so here we are in the second session, right? Okay. And we'll, we'll see where they go. So when we met for the second session, they were both exhibiting a bit of shame and embarrassment, right, from right. The, the first session. It had gotten pretty turbulent and turbulent. And I, again, you know, reassured them that although we didn't know each other very well yet, I'm hoping that they'll get more comfortable and and I can be part of this team so that uh, we can work on this together. And I need to know and witness everything with them. Right. Whether, whether it's good or ugly, I need to see it. Mm-hmm. And so the outbursts of the first session were important, right, for me to understand this dynamic. Well, and I, it shows the like that the level of where they were. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I so I asked them to continue to be as open as they could, um, and that I would be the referee, if you will. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I had given them some homework at the close of that first session, and I had asked them to individually come up with what had really drawn them to the other person at the very start of their knowing each other way back when. So I started with an opening I commonly use. So tell me, how did you two meet? They looked at each other, as couples always do with this question, and then, you know, wondering who's going to go first. Right, Right, of course. Back and forth. And Steve said, you go first. So Charlotte began. We met in college, freshman year. We were both in the campus bookstore. And this is such a cliched story. Steve laughed, and Charlotte continued. I had a pile of books in my hands, and I was jostling for a place in the checkout line, as everybody else was, Steve included. A couple of books slipped out of the bottom of my stack in my hands, and I jerked sideways, and and, and a couple more books fell off the top of the pile, and I bent over to somehow, somehow I was trying to pick them up with the rest of the books in my hand, and the next thing I knew, I was sitting on my butt with books all over me, and I was literally stunned. (laughs) <laughs> it was this guy sitting on his butt facing me with books all over him with a stunned look on his face. It was Steve. He had bent over at the same time I did in order to help me, and our foreheads bonked really hard. He immediately got to his knees and asked me if I was all right, apologizing all over the place, gathering up these books. 
And he could see I was still a little bit loopy, and he just sat there with me. A couple of jerks were ranting about us being in the way, and I'll always remember how he stood up for me, telling them to shut up and be patient. Not quite in those words, but you know what I mean. (laughs) So Steve chuckled and said, I thought I had knocked you out. It's such a cute, it's called a meet cute, I think, in like, in movies and stuff. It's right. like how they meet. That's cute. Come on, Steve and Charlotte. Okay, <laughs> go on. So Charlotte said, I asked Steve what he remembered about, you know, I asked Steve what he remembered about Charlotte at that first meeting. And he says, these big, beautiful blue eyes opened wide and looking right at me. So I asked him, love at first sight? And he goes, it was for me. And Charlotte jumped right in and said, not for me. I was pretty upset and embarrassed by all the eyes on us and just this whole thing. I didn't even think about him. I was so wrapped up in getting the heck out of there. He followed me outside and somehow ended up with my phone number. (laughs) Under the pretense of checking on me or something. That was so unlike me to do that. And he's always been a smooth talker. And they looked at each other right at this point in the session, and and it was a real kind, tuned-in look. It's always interesting for me to to witness those early reconnections of connection in a couple when they're talking at, about the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just see it in their eyes. So Steve caught that too, and he goes, those were really some good times. So I asked them to tell me about those times. Charlotte said that she wasn't an easy catch. Steve was outgoing and a member of a fraternity and into partying. I know. And he kept pursuing her <laughs> relentlessly. And she said, not in a stalker kind of way, oh, but, right. but just a really nice, caring way. She was a dorm girl, always a bit of an introvert, had a tight group of girlfriends that she kept close to her and admitted to being the studious type. She said that the only other relationship she had ever been in was a two-year one in high school where she got dumped suddenly. And she was still dealing years later with the rejection from that. Then she chimed in and said, you know, she mentioned that later she found out that this guy had thought that she was too needy. Oh, that does damage. Yeah, that that really bothered her. I could tell just when she said it that there was some emotional Trauma just still there going on. <laughs> Steve was vague about his past relationships, and it, it was obvious they were plentiful. And my gut told me he was the love him and leave him type, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like it sounds like you know when you talk about the the needy piece, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk about so you talk about the whole anxious type and the avoidant type i mean like this is a perfect storm right so it appears to be that way right right so she's like the i mean this is straight out of some kind of a rom-com she's the studious (laughs) like you know i'm not gonna put myself out there i'm gonna stay safe and you know like my my ex told me that i'm needy so now i'm not gonna need anyone right and i'm just gonna (laughs) like whatever i have other things to do and you know he's like Hey, Mr. Right, like Mr. (laughs) Surface, like, how you doing? I mean, I hear, like, Joey's voice from Friends, like, how you doing? So, you know, I mean, 
right? I'm not. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So. Well, just always pushing through, right? Hey, things are fine. Let's just keep going. You know, that, uh, you know, it, it'll be over soon. Come on. Well, you can recover from this. And Come she's on, a let's challenge. Keep going. Right. I mean, she she said in her retelling, I wasn't an easy catch, right. which makes her even more of an attractive catch. Right. Especially to someone with an avoidant attachment style like this that that it's all about the pursuit. It's right. all about the pursuit and the and the what is the word? Catch. Right. Winning, whatever. So yeah, they they we we've got a an anxious avoidant type trap setting up here I think okay so how so at that point I mean part of me is like I can feel like the the love in the air where they can set aside like their current stuff for a moment and go Mm -hmm. back to that place and actually you know feel that palpable energy that was between them as they got to know each other so how do you like do you keep that going what do you do? Yeah, well, I just, I just said, let's, let's hear some more. I mean, I want to know more about your relationship. We, you met in college, and uh, uh, with this interesting first meeting. So they continued to tell me about this, right? I kept asking questions, and Charlotte kind of led the way with Steve chipping in occasionally with a clarification or you know his input. Charlotte said we dated all through college. We had a couple of brief split-ups. And I asked, well, what what were those about? Do you remember? She said, oh, yes, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Knew that was coming. (laughs) She's like, we were not on a break. (laughs) And he's like, we were on a break. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. I've always struggled with, she said she'd always struggle with being the outgoing social type, and that was what Steve was all about back then, right, the fraternity guy. And even now, for that matter, she said, there are times when I got very little attention from him, and then I'd snap. We'd break up, and he'd come begging back with promises of doing better. And Steve jumped in. You know, it's nothing like it used to be. Was that good or bad? Yeah. Because she used to believe him. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <Yes. laughs> so Charlotte defended her comment, right? Maybe not the way you remember it then, but for me it's still, even now, about gatherings and showing off taking care of others. Steve interrupted, you're exaggerating. And I cut him off fairly sternly with, let her finish, please. You'll get your chance. Because I didn't want this critical loop to get a foothold right right away here. It was coming. And she continued, it's true, Steve. You've always got your guy friends and hanging out with them, golfing and camping and biking and drinking. And the kids and I are here. We're still here, waiting for some of your time. I raised his hand before he got the chance because it was coming again. (laughs) And I said to her, it sounds like for you, his lack of connection with you and the family really hurts. And it's been going on for, and she replied quickly, forever, as long as I can remember. He was fairly attentive off and on for the first couple of years of our marriage. But then we had our first, Maddie. And his work suddenly became all-consuming, and he spent all his time engrossed in it. I would complain enough that he'd eventually attempt to do better and help and be attentive to my needs, but it always appeared superficial to me. And I just always had the impression it was a pain in the butt for him. 
And then we had Joseph. And I thought it would get better with a boy in the family, but it just continually got worse. So I looked at Steve, and I could tell he's like simmering on high here. <laughs> he's just, it's, it's almost boiling. And I looked at them both and told them that right here, this is how the critical loop starts, right? It's getting ready. When we use accusations and defensiveness and superlative words like always and never and forever. Then mm-hmm. I said, I, I would like for us to start practicing using I statements instead of you statements. In other words, instead of you hurt my feelings, we say, I felt hurt when we didn't communicate more civilly. So this is going to take, you know, yeah, I know. No, that's interesting. I mean, because I I can relate, Steve and Charlotte, because we had four kids and Pete worked a lot. Right. And, you know, I occasionally, look at that, I would occasionally <laughs> think, you know, you're not a babysitter, you're the father. Right. And that was that was frustrating. So, sorry, go on. No, no. But these using I statements is very important, and it's something we have to practice hard, all of us, because it is totally not what we learn to do. I mean, we are automatically programmed to get defensive and and stand up for ourselves and all this, and 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 you know, you hurt my feelings, or I felt hurt when we didn't communicate more civilly. I mean, which is easier to say? Right. Right. It, it, yeah. So it takes practice. And, and and I assured them that it was going to take practice and that, you know, I'd ask them not to be surprised or take offense when I interrupted the conversation to correct them because mm-hmm. I was going to do that. It's important to what we were learning. So I looked at Steve and I said, right now is when I'd like for you to not get defensive and counter everything she said just a minute ago. I'd like for you to take a big breath and tell me what you remember about the first years of your marriage and your perspective on the connection in the family. And please, let's try to use I statements. No, let's use I statements as mm-hmm. much as possible. For instance, I feel frustrated or confused or whatever you felt about Charlotte's interactions with you. So Steve sighed and said, well, I've always felt nagged. Is that a word? <laughs> it's a word, not an emotion, Steve. <laughs> yeah. And I replied, so let's lose the always there. And how about, I have felt misunderstood and confused. And I could tell he didn't like those two words. And my hunch was that it brought back, you know, the discussion back to him and he was uncomfortable. Of course. So nevertheless, he went on. I have felt misunderstood and confused all along. And it started right before Maddie was born. Another mouth to feed, and we had to move to a bigger place, and I was still at the bottom of the ladder at work, and Charlotte wasn't working during maternity. It was stressful, and I focused on eliminating that stress. It wasn't just for me. It was for both of us. And then my job took off, and it became more stressful and involved more time and After Joseph, you wanted to go back to work, and that meant daycare for two. I interjected. Sounds like you felt overwhelmed. He says, I guess I did. And I've always needed my me time, especially when I get stressed. My time with my friends 
is my way of unwinding. So we were out of time, and I ended the session and asked them both to try to use I statements during the week and just play around with it, knowing that it's not going to be easy, and to do it with curiosity and wonder, you know, rather than dread, trying to make it a game, and catch themselves not doing it and try it the other way, right, just to, to see how it worked for them. Uh, I also asked uh, that I see them individually over the next two weeks, and Charlotte decided to go first. Oh, I'm going to be curious about this. Yeah. So what do you think so far about, about their interactions there? Um, I, I relate on a personal level, and mm-hmm. I also feel like it's a universal thing, and I also feel like I envision them going home and, you know, I really hate it when you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> trying so, to figure out the I statement. Right. right. It's really hard to not then turn it around immediately to you. Right. So, you know, I I feel for both of them because what I'm hearing is that suddenly her role became to take care of the kids. She felt stressed and overwhelmed about that. He felt the need to protect and take care of his family. So he did it in the way that right. he knew best. And that actually created a separation between the two of them. So. Yep. All right. Uh, There you go. Of course, we're just like Charlotte and Steve. We're out of time. Well, the next step in this process with them is dissolving the critical loop between them so they can get a more secure stance of their emotional balance. And um, which partner going deeper and finding out what the trigger is for each partner to that subconscious hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, a great deal of the time there. This results from an attachment wound somewhere. So. That's what I'm going to do by seeing them individually is explore that wound, those wounds a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, next week, I think we're going to take a week off for Memorial Day That's and true. we're going to play a rerun. In two weeks, we'll be back with more about Charlotte and Steve and this critical loop that we need to get out of. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with Greg, go to KuiperCounseling.com. And as always, Greg, uh, Greg. Stay aware out there, everybody. See you next time. There you go.